0: Section forty three of A Popular History of France, Volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kathy Barrett. A Popular History of France from the Earliest Times, Volume four, by Francois Guizot. Translated by Robert Black. Chapter thirty three, Charles the Ninth and the Religious Wars, fifteen sixty to fifteen seventy four, part nine. On Saturday, the twenty third of August, in the afternoon, the queen mother, the duke of Anjou, marshals de Tavannes and de Retz, the duke of Nevers, and the chancellor de Béragues met in the king's closet, who was irresolute and still talking of exacting from the Guises heavy vengeance for the murderous attack upon Coligny. Catherine, quote, represented to him that the party of the Huguenots had already seized this occasion for taking up arms against him. They had sent, she said, several dispatches to Germany to procure a levy of ten thousand writers, and to the cantons of the Swiss for another levy of ten thousand foot. The French captains, partisans of the Huguenots, had already, most of them, set out to raise levies within the kingdom. Time and place of meeting had already been assigned and determined all the catholics on their side added catherine disgusted with so long a war and harassed by so many kinds of calamities have resolved to put a stop to them they have decided amongst them to elect a captain-general to form a league offensive and defensive against the huguenots the whole of france would thus be seen armed and divided into two great parties between which the king would remain isolated without any command and with about as much obedience for so much ruin and calamity in anticipation and already within a finger's reach and for the slaughter of so many thousands of men a preventive may be found in a single sword thrust all that is necessary is to kill the admiral the head and front of all the civil wars The designs and the enterprises of the Huguenots will die with him, and the Catholics, satisfied with the sacrifice of two or three men, will remain forever in obedience to the king. At the beginning, continues the Duke of Anjou in his account, the king would not by any means consent to have the admiral touched. Feeling, however, some fear of the danger which we had so well depicted and represented to him he desired that, in a case of such importance, every one should at once state his opinion End quote. when each of those present had spoken, the king appeared still undecided. The queen-mother then resolved quote, to let him hear the truth in toto from Marshal de Retz, from whom she knew that he would take it better than from any other, says his sister Marguerite de Valois, in her memoir as one who was more in his confidence and favor than any other the witch came to see him in the evening about nine or ten and told him that as his faithful servant he could not conceal from him the danger he was in if he were to abide by his resolution to do justice on m de guise because it was necessary that he should know that the attack upon the admiral was not m de guise's doing alone but that my brother henry the king of poland afterwards king of france and the queen my mother had been concerned in it which m de guise and his friends would not fail to reveal and which would place his majesty in a position of great danger and embarrassment End quote towards midnight the queen-mother went down to the king followed by her son henry and four other counsellors they found the king more put out than ever the conversation began again and resolved itself into a regular attack upon the king the guises he was told will denounce the king himself together with his mother and brother the huguenots will believe that the king was in concert with the party and they will take the whole royal family to task war is inevitable better to win a battle in paris where we hold all the chiefs in our clutches than put it to hazard in the field after a struggle of an hour and a half charles in a violent state of agitation still hesitated when the queen mother fearing lest if there were further delay all would be discovered said to him permit me and your brother sir to retire to some other part of the kingdom charles rose from his seat by God's death, said he, since you think proper to kill the Admiral, I consent, but all the Huguenot in Paris as well, in order that there remain not one to reproach me afterwards. Give the orders at once. Quote. And he went back into his room. In order to relieve and satisfy her own passions and those of her favorite son, which were fear and love of power, the queen-mother had succeeded in working her king's son into a fit of weakness and mad anger anxious to profit by it quote, she gave orders on the instant for the signal which was not to have been given until an hour before daybreak says de Tou. and instead of the bell at the palace of justice the tocsin was sounded by the bell at st germain au Cherrois, which was nearer even before the king had given his formal consent the projectors of the outrage had carefully prepared for its execution they had apportioned out amongst themselves or to their agents the different quarters of the city the guises had reserved for themselves that in which they considered they had personal vengeance as well as religious enmity to satisfy the neighborhood of saint-germain la and especially rue de betizy and rue des fosses saint-germain awakened by the noise around his house and before long by arquebuse shots fired in his courtyard coligny understood what was going to happen he jumped out of bed put on his dressing-gown and as he stood leaning against the wall he said to the clergyman merlin who was sitting up with him quote, monsieur merlin say me a prayer i commit my soul to my savior one of his gentlemen cornaton entered the room quote, what is the meaning of this riot asked ambrose Par, who had also remained with the admiral quote, my lord said Cornaton to coligny it is god calling us quote. Quote, i have long been ready to die said the admiral but you my friends save yourselves if it is still possible End quote. All ran upstairs and escaped, the majority by the roof. A German servant, Nicholas Miss, alone remained with the admiral, quote, as little concerned, says Cornaton, as if there were nothing going on around him. Quote. The door of his room was forced. Two men, servants of the Guises, entered first. One of them, Bem, attached to the Duke of Guise's own person, came forward, saying, quote, Art thou not the admiral? End quote. Young man, said Coligny, thou comest against a wounded and an aged man, thou'lt not shorten my life by much. Bem plunged into his stomach a huge pointed boar-spear which he had in his hand, and then struck him on the head with it. Coligny fell, saying, If it were but a man, but tis a horse-boy. Others came in and struck him in their turn. Bem, shouted the Duke of Guise from the courtyard, hast done? Tis all over, my lord, was the answer, and the murderers threw the body out of the window, where it stuck for an instant either accidentally or voluntarily, and as if to defend a last remnant of life. Then it fell. The two great lords who were waiting for it turned over the corpse, wiped the blood off the face, and said, Faith, tis he, sure enough some have said that guise gave him a kick in the face a servant of the duke of nevers cut off the head and took it to the queen-mother the king and the duke of anjou it was embalmed with care to be sent it is said to rome what is certain is that a few days afterwards mandelot governor of lyons wrote to the king quote, i have received sir the letter your majesty was pleased to write to me whereby you tell me that you have been advertised that there is a man who has set out from over yonder with the head he took from the admiral after killing him for to convey it to rome and to take care when the said man arrives in this city to have him arrested and to take from him the said head whereupon i incontinently gave such strict orders that if he presents himself the command which it pleases your majesty to lay upon me will be acted upon there hath not passed for these last few days by way of this city any person going romewards save a squire of the duke of guises named paul the which had departed four hours previously on the same day on which i received the said letter from your majesty End quote we do not find anywhere, in reference to this incident, any information going further than this reply of the governor of Lyon to Charles the Ninth. However it may be, the remains of Coligny's body, after having been hung and exposed for some days on the gibbet of Montfaucon, were removed by Duke Francis de Montmorency, the admiral's relative and friend, who had them transferred to Chantilly and interred in the chapel of the castle after having been subjected in the course of three centuries at one time to oblivion and at others to diverse transferences these sad relics of a great man a great christian and a great patriot have been resting for the last two-and-twenty years in the very castle of chatillon-sur-loin his ancestor's own domain having once more become the property of a relative of his family the duke of luxembourg to whom count anatole de montesquieu transferred them and who in eighteen fifty one had them sealed up in a bit of wall in ruins at the foot of an old tower under the site of the bedchamber of the duchesses of chantillon where in all probability coligny was born the more tardy the homage the greater the actual murderers of Coligny, the real projectors of the St. Bartholomew, Catherine de' Medici and her son, the Duke of Anjou, at the very moment when they had just ordered the massacre, were seized with affright at the first sound of their crime. The Duke of Anjou finishes his story with this page, quote, after but two hours rest during the night, just as the day was beginning to break, the king, the queen, my mother, and I went to the frontal of the Louvre adjoining the tennis-court into a room which looks upon the area of the stable-yard to see the commencement of the work we had not been there long when as we were weighing the issues and the consequence of so great an enterprise on which sooth to say we had up to that time scarcely bestowed a thought we heard a pistol-shot fired i could not say in what spot or whether it knocked over anybody but well know i that the sound wounded all three of us so deeply in spirit that it knocked over our senses and judgment stricken with terror and apprehension at the great troubles which were then about to set in To prevent them, we sent a gentleman at once, and with all haste to M. de Guise, to tell him and command him expressly from us to retire into his quarters, and be very careful to take no steps against the admiral, this single command putting a stop to everything else, because it had been determined that in no spot in the city should any steps be taken, until as a preliminary the admiral had been killed but soon afterwards the gentleman returning told us that M. de Guise had answered him that the command came too late, that the admiral was dead, and the work was begun throughout the rest of the city. So we went back to our original determination, and let ourselves follow the thread and the course of the enterprise." The enterprise, in fact, followed its thread and natural course without its being in the power of anybody to arrest or direct it it had been absolutely necessary to give information of it the evening before to the provost of tradesmen of paris le charon president in the court of taxation or board of excise and to the chief men of the city according to brantome they made great difficulties in imported conscience into the matter but Monsieur de tavannes in the king's presence rebuked them strongly and threatened them that if they did not make themselves busy, the king would have them hanged. The poor devils, unable to do aught else, thereupon answered, "Ha! Is that the way you take it, sir? And you, Monsieur? We swear to you that you shall hear news thereof, for we will ply our hands so well right and left that the memory shall abide for ever of a right well kept Saint Bartholomew." End quote. Quote, Wherein they did not fail, continues Brantome, but they did not like it at first. According to other reports, the first opposition of the provost of tradesmen, the Charon, was not without effect. It was not till the next day that he let the orders he had received take their course, and it was necessary to apply to his predecessor in his office, the ex-provo Marcel, a creature of the Queen Mother's, to set in motion the turbulent and the fanatical amongst the populace, which it never does to blood, for it is afterwards more savage than is desirable once let loose upon the saint bartholomew the parisian populace was eager indeed but not alone in its eagerness for the work of massacre the gentlemen of the court took part in it passionately from a spirit of vengeance from religious hatred from the effect of smelling blood from covetousness at the prospect of confiscations at hand telligny the admiral's son-in-law had taken refuge on a roof the duke of anjou's guards make him a mark for their arquebus la rochefoucauld with whom the king had been laughing and joking up to eleven o'clock the evening before heard a knocking at his door in the king's name it is opened enter six men in masks and poniard him the new queen of navarre marguerite de valois had gone to bed by express order of her mother catherine Quote, just as i was asleep says she behold a man knocking with feet and hands at the door and shouting navarre navarre my nurse thinking it was the king my husband runs quickly to the door and opens it it was a gentleman named m de Leran, who had a sword cut on the elbow a gash from a halberd on the arm and was still pursued by four archers who all came after him into my bedroom he wishing to save himself threw himself on to my bed as for me feeling this man who had hold of me i threw myself out of bed towards the wall and he after me still holding me round the body i did not know this man and i could not tell whether he had come thither to offer me violence or whether the archers were after him in particular or after me we both screamed and each of us was as much frightened as the other at last it pleased God that M. de Nanquet, captain of the guards, came in, who, finding me in this plight, though he felt compassion, could not help laughing, and flying into a great rage with the archers for this indiscretion, he made them begone, and gave me the life of that poor man who had hold of me, whom I had put to bed, and attended to in my closet until he was well." End, quote. End of section 43